Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. Your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay, as always, and once again, because this is the second day in a row we are recording an episode, and Christian, I think we just better get used to this at this point because we're gonna we're gonna be talking to each other a lot you're gonna have to hear me and griffin's voice a lot these next couple of weeks hopefully a couple months um so just get used to it i mean we talk every day me and you this isn't gonna be anything different for me and you but for the listeners just be prepared you're gonna hear our voices a lot and i'm sorry about that but uh it's gonna be fun yeah so it's probably the last time you're gonna hear us calm though yes from here on out it's gonna be recording right after games and for the playoffs, assuming a close game, probably some terrible calls, I'm going to come on here hot. You're going to come on here hot because you're going to, like we said yesterday, you're going to come on off after a Caps game and an Avs game. I'm going to so, be emotionally drained and probably like legitimately angry. Yeah. So just get prepared for that. We're going to laugh a little bit. We're going to have some fun today um, and preview this series because we promised you all that we would preview the series. So we had yeah. some special guests on, Griffin, if you want to give them a little, a little bit of love. Yes. So today, uh, like we promised, we had the guys at the Catfish on Ice podcast join us. We had Chad Minton and Rich Howe join us to talk about the Predators side of things in this series. But we're also going to take a deep dive into this series for the Avs, obviously, hence, you know, Avalanche podcast. We get into it a lot more on the Predators side with them, you know, what to expect with Dave Riddich. Uh, Is UC Soros going to be available at all? And who's going to be impactful in this series and just are they even optimistic at all towards the predators but at least for this first part of the podcast me and christian are going to be talking about obviously the av side of things and preview the series ourselves before we get a little bit of a nashville perspective but hang around for that one because it was a great interview it was a lot it was a good time um but I'm, I'm ready to jump right in man uh, sh- should we talk about the big news from today's practice because yes, that's we, what we're doing we definitely anyway. need to 
We're talking about practice. Kind of the big thing here. Yeah. Gabriel Landeskog returns to the ice in a normal jersey, takes full participation in the practice. So all signs point to Gabriel Landeskog being back. Um, But the funny thing is, me and you and I joked about this yesterday. The abs are healthy for the first time all year. Would that last a whole 12 hours since we recorded? Pretty much. Yeah. 12, 24 hours, basically a, a day. Yeah, basically a day because Nazem Kadri mispracticed today with a non-COVID illness. I'm assuming he caught what Miko had, and let's pray to the Lord it is not as bad as Miko's was. Yes, if he caught what Miko has, that is not good because Miko said he had a high fever for like a week. So if that's what Kadri has here, and there's no indication that's what it is. We're not going to get one until he comes back and says what it is, if he says it at all. But Miko was just out with a non-COVID illness, and now Kadri's out with a non-COVID illness. Very, very broad things, but it's hard not to at least tie the knots together. Yeah, it's hard not to tie the knots, and it's it's a blow, but I'm – I'm glad it's not COVID, obviously, because COVID, you're out five to seven days. There is still the chance he can return. Um, I feel bad because he was just finally starting to get back into form. But uh, I still have like a 65% hope that he's going to play on Tuesday. Yeah, until Bednar says he's not going to play, I'm still going to hold out hope that he plays, especially since Bednar has been so adamant that this team's going to be healthy for game one, but this is a thing that might've just popped up out of nowhere. It might've popped up this morning. He woke up not feeling well. So it it would suck because this team literally has not been fully healthy once this season. Like we saw all (laughs) these things come out on Twitter today for, I forget the account's name, this thing that tweeted out like the games missed. Yeah. Games missed. And like, man games missed and whatever the avalanche literally did not have a healthy lineup for one game this season their ideal roster construction was never a thing once at any point this season and this was supposed to be the first time so now if we're dealing with Kadri out again even if it's just for a game or two are you telling me that in game three everything's gonna like how long are we gonna push this back if it doesn't happen game one it's not happening at all i i agree because like we've talked about this all season like i'll just wait till they're healthy just wait till they're healthy. At, at what point, if it's not game one, is it ever going to be ever? No, it and won't. if it ever it, is ever, is it going to stay that way? Yeah, because we we talked about it with the guys on the Catfish on Ice podcast. It, Nashville's a physical team. Someone's going to get hurt, and that's bad to say, but it's playoff hockey. Someone always gets hurt in playoff hockey. Um, so if it's not game one, I don't think it's going to happen at all. Like I, I think that's just the way. But in a weird way, I, I don't think it's going to phase this team because like you said, they've done it all year. Yeah. I, I would like to see it as a fan to see their team at full healthy, but they've done this all year. This would be nothing new to them to have guys plug and play. Yeah. It's not like we're Calgary who had what over half of their games played where they were fully healthy. They had 82 games with their top line. That's crazy. None of them missed a game and they were never separated. Like imagine if this is Calgary right now and Elias Lindholm goes down with a fever right now. That would be worth panicking about. But since the abs have literally dealt with this from game one, you know, no McKinnon for the first game of the season. And it kind of just turned into now this guy's out. Now this guy's out. Now all these guys are out. Now we're healthy. Now this guy's out again. This is just kind of business as usual. And then when Kadri comes back, I'm sure it'll be someone else, but it's just something this team has dealt with near perfectly the entire season. 
near perfectly. And I do want to talk about the positive part because Gabriel Landeskog coming back, we've talked about this on the show. Gabriel Landeskog is the heartbeat of this team. If you're telling me I get a healthy Landy in this playoffs, I like our chances against anyone. But he is he is the lifeblood of this team. And him coming back, all indications are going he's going to play game one. They had him on the line. I, I was interested by this. We were texting about it. They had him on the line with Newhook and Lekkonen. Um, Good for Newy getting that. I think that's a great chance for him. Uh, or was it – who was he with? Was he Landeskog, Newhook, and Lekkonen? Am I remembering that right? You said new hook and I just nodded along with it because that seemed right. But now that you're saying that it might've been Comfer. No, I think it was new hook. I think I'm fairly certain it was new hook, but I will very quickly find that. But yes, it was new hook. Comfer is centering the third line. With Berkey and. Knack. Knack. Interesting. Knack's played his way in. Um, But I, I feel good. And we talked about this with. Berkey going down the third line. That's not a bad thing. It's not that he's playing bad. Berkey played great in the regular season. He's going to get so many scoring chances on the third line against third pair defensemen that he would just simply not get in the top six. And we all know Bednar is going to shuffle the lines as the game goes on. He always does, but starting Berkey on the third line should not be perceived as a bad thing. No, it should not. No. And Lekkonen has just simply earned that spot ahead of him. He just gels on that line perfectly. And this is something that we specifically talked about a couple episodes ago. When Landy comes back, where is he going to go? Because Nachushkin has worked really well with McKinnon down the stretch of the season and to a certain extent Rantanen when he was playing as well. And so the the goal is that Kadri is going to center that line between Landeskog and Lekkonen. We just don't know. That's a disgusting line. We just don't know what cadre's availability is how long he's going to be out if this is even a problem at all yeah. we simply just don't have an answer on that yet but the goal is landis god cadre lekkonen and like we talked about a couple episodes ago that's disgusting and yeah. you have you have nachushkin on that top line and it's really not a drop off at all nope it's not i mean landy's definitely a more prowess like a more prowess goal scorer um if you're looking for high score and you put landy out there but i think it's the right move for landy to let him get his legs under him a little bit in the second line and he's still alongside a bunch of fucking playmakers too. Like it's not like he's dropping off from McKinnon and Ranston like we did four or five years ago. He's dropping off to if they're not up to that level, but they're very close to that level. So I love that for Landeskog. I I just know for a fact he's going to score game one. Like, he is. Tell me I you totally don't see scoring game one. Yeah, we're right. gonna get we're gonna get a power play in game one, and he's. I'm gonna say this for game one. Gabe Landeskog is scoring on the first abs power play of the playoffs. He's going to just park himself right in the crease and get that patented tap in from McKinnon. Yep. I agree. And it's, it, he's going to score. It's not a question. It's just, he's going to score. You know, McKinnon's going to be a play. McKinnon's always a playoff performer. McKinnon's going to score. Miko is actually going to care and want to try. So I'm scared for the rest of the NHL. If Miko can flip that switch, which we've seen he can do. Um, the abs are, as healthy as they've been since the beginning of the year. And I feel great. And we haven't even talked about the defenseman health because now we're at a point where once Ryan Murray gets cleared, we're talking about having nine to 10 NHL caliber defensemen, maybe not Curtis McDermott in there, maybe nine. I love Curtis, but we, we, we've seen. We, we can count Curtis because he, he's going to play eventually if some, if yeah. people start getting hurt, whether it's on forward or defense, but. Regardless, you have like almost an extra two pairs of defensemen that you can throw in if need be. Now, granted, not all of that is 
great, but you have it as an option. You're not reaching into your farm team at that point. So I feel good about that, man. Like yeah, you're telling I feel me, great about it. You're getting you're Murray. Me I got, Ryan yeah. Murray is my seventh. Jack Johnson as my eighth. Or other way around, depending yeah. on how Bednar feels. Like it's hard to feel really too upset about that at all. It, and it's having, the same way with the forwards too. Yeah. And having Murray back in a normal Jersey, like it's just options. You have options. If, if shit happens, which it's going to, or someone's not performing, switch them right out. Switch and you have right a guy out. who's going to be playing for a job right away. Yeah, I agree. It, it's, it's options that we have not had. I feel like ever since this playoff run started for the abs. So to actually be there is a crazy concept. It's, it's really not a thing teams have ever no. in the playoffs, this level of depth. Yeah, because we, we mentioned it last year when Kadri went out, we had no one to step up and play that second line center. We had no one. Um, and now this year you've got Comfer, who somehow under the radar set a career high in goals. Um, you have Newhook, who has, has a whole year of NHL experience now. And like you said a couple episodes ago, he's already played in the playoffs. He knows what it takes. Like you have options now. And I have not felt this good about a playoffs ever in my time of watching avalanche hockey. I was way too young to remember what I felt like in 2001 when they won the cup. I was, yeah, I was, I was not even a year old yet. Yeah. Like even my dad who's watched them win two cups said, this is the best team he's seen. And that's saying a fucking lot. So I feel really good about it. Um, We talked about this a little bit with the catfish on ice guys. And I I wanted you to go a little bit more in depth on it because I thought you brought up a good point. Um, what are your feelings about Darcy Kemper going into the playoffs right now with Darcy Kemper? It's, I totally believe in him and he is going to carry this team to a Stanley cup. The only question I have is confidence where in last two weeks or so, he's been kind of pedestrian. His numbers haven't been astronomical. Like they've been in the early part of April. And I think, I mean, it's, in any playoff series, your goaltender is going to be your most important player. And if Darcy Kemper in the first two games of this series allows like two goals over the course of two games, then I think we're totally fine. But Darcy Kemper performs when the lights are brightest. I believe in him. It's just, this is just the anxiety talking right now where we felt good about Philip Grubauer all the last year. And first round, he was great. First half of the Vegas series, he was great. And then all of a sudden it just fell off a cliff. I think he ran out of energy. Yeah, like I, I agree. We rode him to death. And I think Darcy has the same way. I feel great about him. Um, I agree that he hasn't been particularly great um, outside of like the Winnipeg game. I thought he was really good in the Winnipeg game in the year. Um, he wasn't great Thursday against Nashville. Granted, all the shots that beat him, I think were lucky ass goals. Like I, I don't really think any of them were particularly great. Um but I feel good about him going into the playoffs. Uh, if you go back to his last playoff appearance with Arizona, he's the only reason that series went five games. Yeah. Like we saw what happened when Darcy Kemper was even off for a second. The abs boat raced them those last three games in the series, but those first two games, Darcy Kemper was unbelievable. Yeah. And eventually the dam just broke for them. Eventually he was still a nine 13 and nine playoff games, even though he had 14 goals scored on him in two games. Yeah. That's how good he was. And you go back to his other playoff appearances, you know, this, this, you know, this one might hurt to bring up, but when he played the avalanche in 2014, he was a nine 13 in that playoff run. He's he been was the reason the why they before. won. Cause Briz golf was terrible that series in the first two games. Yeah. 
And so Kemper has playoff experience and has been able to perform. He just hasn't made a deep run. I mean, goaltending is the most volatile thing in the NHL. One month, you can be Mike Smith and be a 950 in the month of April. We might be talking about Mike Smith in two weeks. Like, how the fuck is this guy still in the NHL? It's like it was last year where he was not in the Vesna conversation, but just like barely on the outside of it because he had a great bounce back year and carried the Oilers with McDavid and Drysaddle to second in the Canadian division and sucked in four straight games in the playoffs. It's just my anxiety doesn't really have anything to do with Kemper. It's just the the last couple of games, he's just looked off. Meh. And Meh. I, I totally do not blame him for that. I think part of that is because we had clinched and Kemper is a very mental goalie. When he's locked in, you're not beating him. And I just don't think he was locked in. But there's just there's always going to be that anxiety. It's not just me. It's you see something and you're like, okay, well, that's just how it's going to be from now on. So I don't know where I was going with that. My mind yeah. totally just trailed off. But yeah, no, no, you're good. You're good. I, I completely agree. I think you can get away with it in the first round because you're going up against David Bridge. And the catfish on eyes guys feel the same way. Like they don't have any faith in him. Um, you can get away with it in round one. Round two, whether it's St. Louis or Minnesota, you're going to need Darcy Kemper to play like he was at the beginning of April and the end of March. Like you're going to need it. Like it, it's not going to be a cakewalk. Um, so I, I have faith that he can do it just because I've seen him do it for long stretches of time for a majority of the second half of the season. Um, I would have rather obviously had him keep playing that great at the end of April that he was in uh, – the beginning but i i just i don't think he's gonna play as bad as he did in these last four games i just don't and even then he wasn't even particularly bad i thought nashville i thought he was bad but like the winnipeg game i thought he was good he was the Uh, only reason that game was close yeah the only reason that game wasn't eight to nothing the edmonton game he wasn't great but i don't know it's just I'm not going to feel any better until I see him go out there and start stealing games. You know, it's just a general anxiety towards goaltending in general, you know, but that's the good part about the abs. He may only need to steal one game a series. We're not relying on him to steal four. He may only need to steal one a series because the abs are just that fucking good. Right. And going up against David Riddich. See, I don't think Riddich is going to be terrible in this series. I think he's going to be respectable, but we, this is a backup goalie in the NHL going up against a top two offense in the NHL and one that's going to be getting healthy for the first time. Uh, God bless him. And Darcy Kemper doesn't even need to be that great in this series. Even no, he doesn't. And that's why it's, it's going to be interesting because I want to see, I want to see Darcy Kemper get that confidence back and, and I don't I even think, know if he's ever lost it. Like he might've yeah. just, he might've just been like, Oh, well, right. He might've just been, I, I'm interested to see what happens. Um, I have complete faith. The abs win this series. Um, I, I think it goes six. I, I don't think Nashville's going to roll over and die. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they sneak one out in these first two. I, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, but I, I still think the abs win it in six. I think Riddick, I think Riddick steals maybe one or two games. And I think that's, that's obviously I'm giving the Preds a lot more credit than what they actually are. Cause like you said, off air, the last time they won a regulation game was when 
yeah, it was April 16th against Chicago. They beat them four to three. So really you can kind of start at like April 9th is when we really started to be like, Oh shit. Nashville has a really tough schedule to end the season in that span. They had one regulation win and one win in overtime and two wins in the shootout. They really did not like people. It's like, Oh, the abs are going in cold at like four or five and one in their final 10 and only winning like one of seven in their last stretch. Nashville's kind of in the same boat. They're not going into this series hot at all. They just lost blew a four goal lead to Arizona. Yeah. You blew a four goal lead to Arizona. Actually, it's actually really funny looking at because all of their last four games were five to four. <laughs> and they, yeah. they lost to Minnesota in OT. They lost to Calgary in OT with a tenth of a second left in regulation. They lost that game. I know they lost Soros, but they still blew that game. And they had the win against us. And then they lost in regulation, blowing a four nothing lead to Arizona they're coming in cold too so I feel like that really negates anything people are saying like oh the abs are coming in cold right now because if the abs win this series that doesn't matter like the, that doesn't matter anymore that they came in cold all it all it matters is really for the first couple games around one and that means a lot more if you're going into a series like let's say Minnesota St. Louis that's super razor close if you're coming in cold that could be the difference between winning in six and right. losing in six but for the abs that are, I mean, they say this too later in the episode when we interview them. The abs are better than the Predators, and they have no excuse to lose this series. And they are ahead of them in just about every category. The, the main thing that the Predators have and that they are going to rely on in this series is they lead the league in hits and they lead the league in fights. They are going to try to drag this series down into the mud. So yeah, and the key is going to be the power play if the abs can get their power play going, cause they, they sucked on Thursday against the Preds. It was bad. They went over six or over seven. I can't remember what it was. Um, one, one for six, Kale one for seven. Kale scored the first one. That's right. It, if you get seven power play chances in a fucking playoff game, if you don't score on two of them, you're in fucking trouble. If you get six power plays in an overtime game, that should in, in essence advance you to the next round. Yeah. Like I, I want to like really nitpick the abs, but I, I agree. I think this series is going to be closer than people give credit to, but in the long run, the abs are just the way better team. Yeah. And really this series can be close and also be a sweep. Cause I yeah. feel like a lot of people get like a misconception about series scores. You can have five really, really close games. Look at the Oilers and the jets last year, the jets swept that series and three straight games went to overtime and it was game one was a one goal game until the final minute where they got two empty netters. You can lose four straight, really close games. The predators can give us everything they can handle and still lose in four games. Yeah. And I also think that the thing is, is in a series like this, you don't gain anything from winning and you have everything to lose by losing. So you can't let the pressure of losing a game get to you. Or like, if like you're predicting this series goes six, you can't, you can't let that hang over you. It's the playoffs. Crazy shit happens. You can't just hold yourself to, we need to finish this in under five or else we're frauds. You got to block out all that shit. It's the playoffs. Rankings don't matter anymore at this point. And you've got to just be willing to roll with the punches. If Nashville does push this series six or God forbid seven, it doesn't matter. All you got to do is go out there and win and keep moving on and keep moving forward. It does like... Each series is its own life. Everything changes. 
and you got to roll with every single punch. Yeah, I agree. Everything you just said, I completely agree with. The only reason I'm giving Nashville a little bit more credit is it's tough to win in Nashville. Nashville's a a good arena. They have great fans. It's going to be loud. It's going to be tough. I wouldn't be surprised if this series comes back to Denver 2-2 for game five, and then we win the last two. Like, I I just don't, I don't see this as we saw last year with the Blues, where it was like, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be a shit kicking. And it was. It's, it's actually it's it. actually funny because as you guys will hear on the interview with them later, I was just having like a massive case of deja vu of the first round last year when I talked with the guys at the, the Blue Notes pod. Because uh, if you actually did listen to me at that point back then, you will remember that they were like, uh, yeah, the Blues are going to get crushed in this series. Uh, Griffin, here's the floor for your prediction. Just say abs in four. And I said, well, I give the blues a game, but like, I got that same vibe from this where they're it's just crazy. Like, we, we don't have a shot. We don't. It's crazy, dude. Like, and granted, I, I think they'd probably feel a bit better if UC Soros was going to play. And, um, and, and Chad said as much, if Soros plays, then he can definitely see a world where the Preds push this series six, maybe even seven. Yeah. But I just, I think the Preds are a good team. They're a hard hitting team. Um, to me, the key in the series is if the ads get their power plays, they have to capitalize on them. And with Landeskog back, Rantanen back, McKinnon back, McCarr, hopefully Kadri, like that power play needs to be clicking at like a 25% rate in the playoffs for us to have a chance. Yeah. And that's just not in this series. That's in every series that we go to. Yeah. And I would say that one of the bigger keys in this series is to not get distracted because Nashville is going to hit you they're going to get in scrums after the play there's going to be times where they're trying to fight you you've got to stick with your game because i think everyone acts like there's just a blueprint to win the stanley cup there isn't one the only blueprint i've been able to identify in the playoffs is a team has an identity and does not stray from it they do not break no matter what happens they keep coming back again and again and again and impose their will no matter whether that's skill or physicality you can impose your will on an opponent with skill you can do it you just have to be able to roll with the punches and that's why we lost last year against vegas because we got away from our game and played the game that vegas wanted us to play and nashville if they can get us distracted and get us in the scrums and get us to take offsetting penalties then that's going to open the door for them in this series. And even if we beat them, that spells disaster for the next round when you go up against a Minnesota or a St. Louis that does the same thing. So the key for this series is for the abs to be the abs and do not let another team drag you down into the mud. Defend yourself. I'm not just saying take cross checks to the back. Defend yourself and stand up for yourselves, but do not stray from your game because of what they're doing. Because the abs have the significant advantage in speed and skill. Without, without question, they are the faster and better team. But it goes back to that point. Nashville is going to get, I don't know if dirty is the right term, but they're going to be in your gonna face. Do some, they're going to do some extracurriculars. Um, and I have a feel, this team is more prepared for that this year than I think they were last year. So I'm not worried about that, but it is a good point to bring up. You can't let that be the whole series. If there's moments of that in the series, totally fine. But that's the way the Preds want to play. You need to skate by them. And there's a reason why they take so many penalties. It's because they they take stupid penalties. Like that's not something that gets solved in the playoffs. So agree, don't let them bully you around, but also don't succumb to that for four or five games in the series. Yeah. And like you look at a team that's had their playoff failures in like the Leafs, where I think they really let teams get in their heads when they start to shove them around. They either, they either, their teeth starts chattering or they start trying to do it back. That's not how they were built. 
And that leads to disaster against Boston. That led to disaster against Columbus. It led to disaster last year against the Habs. The second the Habs put doubt in their mind, they crumbled. You have, you have to know that you are the best team in the NHL for a reason. And that on any night, you can beat any team put in front of you, really no matter the circumstance. You, you just have to be willing to stick with it. And if you lose a game, don't break. Because I feel like that was the problem last year. We lost that game to Vegas, game three. And we're like, shit, uh, what, what, shit. Well, now we, what, we blew that lead and now we got to, what do we need to fix? How do we stop this from happening again? And we didn't realize that we just won six playoff games in a row. You got to just be willing to roll with the punches. That's how you win the Stanley Cup. You've got to just get over the humps. There's going to be a ton of them. It's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's a marathon, not a sprint. They, they sprinted to a big lead last year. <laughs> I remember game three, I was sitting there. I was like, there's no way we can sweep Vegas, right? Right. And because even then we were playing like shit. Yeah. And if we were getting away with it, Grubauer was great in game three. And then Vegas finally got in and that got a little bit of doubt snuck in there for the abs. And it was just all downhill from there. I wouldn't say all downhill. Game five was really a coin flip. Um, Ryan Graves gets a shot through who knows what happens, but uh, yeah, not to bring up old wounds. I really hope that doesn't happen this year, man. I, I don't need to go through this again. <laughs> I really don't. And, but that's the thing. Like you've experienced what it's like to lose in the playoffs. We've been through all of this before two straight years of, painful second round losses no so i said two not three san jose was it was painful because it was such a frustrating game not because it, we should have won that series we shouldn't mckinnon stays healthy that whole game and doesn't miss half a period to win that game right but. exactly it was a crazy circumstance so we've experienced what it's like to lose now and hopefully they've learned their lesson that you just got to keep going you just got to keep pushing. Don't stop every shift, every game, every series. You just got to keep doing what you do. And if it, if it doesn't work one game, that doesn't mean it's not going to work the next, you know, it's, you just got to keep going. I know I'm repeating myself grinding. a lot, but that's why I think you see a lot of, a lot of flame outs early on from favorites is that something happens and what worked in the regular season doesn't anymore. And then they just completely try to change their game and it doesn't work. doesn't work. You can't be, if you can't be like, if Darcy Kemper likes facing a lot of shots and he's faced a lot of shots in this regular season, you can't change your game plan for him. Like, yeah. I mean, just you don't want him to face do. 50, but yeah. if like if he's facing 30, 35 shots a game and that's what he's comfortable with, keep doing that. Yeah. I mean, th these last four games has really been the first time Darcy Kemper's let those shots from the point beat him. And that's a little concerning, but I know that he can handle it and he'll be just fine. Um, but I, I have not been this confident going into a playoffs. Even last year, I had my doubts. Like even last year, I had my doubts because yeah. you're going up against Vegas. It, it's, it's completely right. This year, it's we've been echoing this all year. Like this is the year you have to do it. The West is down this year. It, it's not even a question. The West kind of stinks this year. Um, it's it's your time. Like let's get ready. Let's go win this thing. And I have, I really think Bednar grew a lot from that loss against Vegas too. I don't think he's going to let that same shit fly. And I just, I really feel good about this team right now. I just need it to be fucking Tuesday already, man. Cause we're going to talk about this tomorrow when we watch the blues game being like, Oh, we, we can do this. And I, I just want to get this shit started. It's just been, we've been talking about it for so long and we're finally here. There's no, there's no other questions to be asked. 
There's no playoff spots to clinch. We know who we're playing and what the path is. And now we just got to go and get it done. There's, there's no excuses here at the end of the day. None. So I cannot wait, man. The next time you hear from us will be Tuesday. And I am hoping it's a cheerful one where it's like a six, one beat down. Yeah. We're going to be recording Tuesday night. It's going to be late for me, but I'm assuming we win. It's going to be late for me too, man. Yeah. I'm going to be very hyped up for that game, but uh, for part two of this playoff series preview, obviously we brought on the catfish on ice podcast. They're going to give us more of the Nashville perspective, what to expect from Dave Riddich guys to watch out for a little bit of the, the Norris trophy debate as well between McCarr and Yossi and do not get preemptively upset because they are very reasonable about this. They're very smart guys. They're not the, they're not the trolls you see with five followers on Twitter telling you to kill yourself because you think McCarr is better. <laughs> yeah, no, so the, it was a great time and we're probably going to hop on their podcast after game two. So make sure you keep your eyes up for that. Oh yeah. Um, we're super excited about it. I thought it was a really fun interview um, and I hope you all enjoy it. Yeah. And we'll be back in about 32 minutes after this one's up to wrap up the episode. So see you guys then. Hope you enjoy the interview. All right. And we are joined by the Catfish on Ice podcast, Chad Minton and Rich Howe. Join us once again for the second time in podcast history. We've come a long yeah. <laughs> way since, since our first interview back before the beginning of the regular season. And I don't think either of us really saw this coming where we were going to meet in the playoffs. How about you guys? Not at all. Not in a million uh, years. <laughs> yeah, so uh, definitely not if you would have asked us this like 48 hours ago, maybe. Or even no. like, even like, well, what's today, Sunday? Yeah, 48 hours ago at this time, we didn't see this coming. No, we thought no. we were playing the Calgary Flames for sure. And we wanted, me and Griffin were talking, we wanted a Calgary Flames Nashville series. You guys play oh. such great games, and yeah, that's brutal. what we wanted. Yeah, yeah, that last meetup uh, matchup between those two was brutal. Lots of hits, fights, the whole nine yards. So, whole nine yards. I guess I'll start. You guys are a little bit more in tune with the Nashville. What's the word on UC Soros? Is he going to be able to come back this series, or are they keeping it pretty, pretty no. mum? Oh, yeah. Um, unfortunately, uh, there's no way UC Soros is going to be ready for the Avalanche series. Um, it's a high ankle sprain is what's being reported. And that's like a pain tolerance thing a lot of, Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, but, um, I I can't see a scenario where you force out your young franchise goaltender, which you could risk doing further damage possibly, or, I mean, they are keeping it, keeping it a hush hush, but, um, a to Z sports, which is a local, uh, outlet out here that does a great job. I want to give them a lot of credit for this report. Um, they, they basically said four to six weeks is what their source said, but it, when it, when it comes to a high ankle sprain, I mean, that could be like shortened out to two weeks, but even then he's not going to be ready for the avalanche series at all. Mm -hmm. Like, no, that is, that's brutal news. How confident are you guys in David Riddick? (laughs) Rich, how about you filled that one? Well, When, when we think about matching up against the Avalanche, if there wasn't really a snowball's chance with UC Soros, <laughs> does that kind of give you an answer? Fair. Um, fair. That was no, a cutting, cutting edge analysis from my co-host, exactly, Rich there. Exactly. You're not going to get that analysis no, anywhere else. No. Um, actually, he, he played really well once he settled in when they did play the Avalanche. Um, he made some big saves. He obviously did well in the, in the uh, shootout. 
but as a long-term um, solution, just, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. He, he needs to prove us wrong, I guess, is what I'll have to say. So um, we'll see. And then uh, the, the other um, goaltender, Connor Ingram played against Arizona with not stellar uh, results in that game either. So it's a yeah. little iffy right now, truthfully. So yeah, guys, first of all, Thank you so much for having us, uh, yes, Griffin and much. Christian. Uh, it's great to get back with you guys, and it's going to be a fun playoff series either way. I uh, am hoping it can go go a long ways at mm -hmm. the very least, and it's not one of those series that's just like a waste of a series and it's not exciting. But I will say, in terms of your question you just asked us, uh, here's the deal. I really, going into the Arizona game, before that whole debacle happened, I was really hoping that Connor Ingram, who Rich just mentioned, who is basically our next in line backup to UC Soros, basically. Yep. Uh, David Riddick, unfortunately, and this is no knock on David Riddick, I, I actually have a lot of respect for Riddick. He's yes. a class act, 100%. He's a journeyman goaltender. I think that he could be a starter for a lot of teams in this league, actually, but he, he doesn't fit the long-term future of this team at all. And uh, Connor Ingram's next in line. So in this Arizona game, uh, the, to wrap up the season, the playoffs were already wrapped up. I was hoping to see Connor Ingram show us something, mm -hmm. you know, kind of show that he's ready for the uh, limelight. He's only got three NHL starts in his career, but he has been so great in, in the AHL in the last couple of years. So it's like he's next up in line. And um, he just didn't look comfortable. He just didn't. Mm -hmm. He uh, he let some goals by that you would think he could maybe st have stopped. Whereas David Riddick has at least shown us that he can pile up right. the saves and go through it. And so I would be completely shocked if he is not yeah, a starter in game one on Tuesday. Yeah. And to kind of tag on to what Chad said, I was a little unfair to Dave Riddick there. He's a he's a great <laughs> goaltender. He just doesn't get many, didn't get many starts in the season. They were, you know, riding Soros as long as they could. And we don't know if that's what caused the injury or if it was something, you know, that popped up because of that. But it's really not Riddick's fault. Like once he settles in, he plays really well. It's just you can't, you know, ask a goaltender to not play for a month and then come in, you know, and, and just exactly. take over. So yeah. it's it's tough, but um there's always that it's a steep drop off from UC Soros to David Riddick, and that's nothing against David Riddick. UC Soros is a Griffin. Would you agree a top five goaltender in this league? Definitely, I would say Soros is at least very close to a top yeah. five goalie in the league, considering how he played last year and considering how he played most of this season. I'd say leading up to April, where his numbers started to dip a little bit, he's consistently been one of the more valuable goalies in the NHL. If you dig into some of the more advanced numbers, they would have him just behind Igor Shesterkin in terms yes. of, of, of a goalie who would be stealing games the most often. And uh, just continuing on some of your guys' points, I can't help but feel a little disappointed that he's not going to be in this series mm -hmm. as, as much as I am an abs fan and want to see them win and win all 16 games without losing one. Of course. Yeah. And losing Soros, I feel like kind of takes something out of this series and it's it not, and that's not to be disrespectful at all to the predators yeah. or to Dave Rich. It's just that Darcy Kemper since January has consistently been a top five goalie in the league. And I feel like him and Soros would have been a very interesting mm -hmm. goalie duel. And it's just disappointing that if 
what you're saying is true. It's a high ankle sprain and that the earliest he's not going to be ready for Colorado. That's, that's, There's that's no way. I just don't see it yeah. happening. And yeah, even if you either. throw him out there, I mean, is he going to be his 100% self? Probably not. And, and then uh, you're talking about the goaltender matchup that we're missing out on. At least we have Cal McCarr versus Roman Yossi. Yes. We do have that. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, this Norris Trophy debate – is I mean, people get fired up over this on, oh, yes, on, on social media. Both Preds fans and Avs fans are both guilty of it. They get a little too emotional over it. One thousand percent. And our fans are just as guilty of it. I I'm oh, not yeah. just saying Avs fans feel this way. It's both fan bases. It's a For very sure. coveted trophy. It's a very respected trophy. I will say this before we because I I, I want to see if you I, I obviously want to hear you guys' thoughts on this. Um, I actually think that Roman Yossi has a better case for the Hart Trophy than he does the Norris Trophy. Spot on. Dead on. Dead on. on. That has been my argument the entire time. That's yeah, a, I completely right. agree with you. All right. So, guys, kind of give me your Cal McCarr, because I think Cal McCarr is, honestly, really. Roman Yossi 2.0, uh, but he plays better defense. His metrics Gr- are a little bit better. Yeah, but Griffin, you go first. He, he plays a lot like Roman Yossi. His offensive skill set is – very similar mm-hmm. to Roman Yossi. So, yeah, I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on that. My whole take on the, the Kale McCarr versus Roman Yossi for the Norris debate is that Kale McCarr has been more impactful on both ends of the ice, but Yossi has, has been more impactful in the offensive zone, and mm-hmm. Kale has him beat defensively. But I just don't think that Yossi is that much better than him offensively to make up the difference that Kale plays in the defensive zone. But I totally agree with you that if I were to put either of them on a hard ballot, I would have Yossi ahead of Makar because of the team that Yossi is on. There are less stars on the Preds than the Avs. Makar has Devon Tays next to him. But the thing is, is that I hear that argument a lot when we're talking about the Norris. And the Norris is not the most valuable defenseman. It's the best defenseman. And right. Without Roman Yossi, I don't think the Predators make the playoffs. And without Kale McCarr, I think the Avalanche do still make the playoffs. But at the same time, Kale McCarr has been the better all-around defenseman, almost hit 30 goals and finished 10 points behind Yossi, considering it all. And really, the more I dug into the analytics side of it, Kale McCarr had an edge just about everywhere. And it shouldn't be just about who scores the most points. Like, that's dumb. Right. If we're going to do that, then why, why do we even have an award? Right. There should like, be a whole separate award for that. I don't yes. think Roman Yossi should be walking away from this season empty-handed. He should be getting an award for scoring yeah. 95, 96 points, the first guy since Housley to do that. Yeah. It, it's, well, it, yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead, Christian. Yeah. Okay. Um, my thing with it, I, I, I echo a lot of the same points Griffin did. Um, I do think Yossi should be a top three finisher in the Hart Trophy. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think he should be. Uh, but when you look at the impact Kale McCarr has on both ends of the ice, he, he's the best defenseman in the NHL right now. Um, my thing, too, I kind of relate it back, uh, Devon Taves for the Carmel Avalanche. He may not be our best defenseman, but he's our most valuable defenseman. We've seen what that team is without him. Um, I kind of think the same way it is with Roman Yossi. Roman Yossi may not be the best defenseman in the league, but he's the most important defenseman in the league. And the most valuable, in my opinion. Makes sense. Yeah. 
It's and it's a credit award. I mean, we're talking about Hart Trophy. Right. As long as you have Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid, yeah. and you're even getting Igor Shesterkin thrown out there as is a worthy Hart Trophy, which you don't see that happen very often for goaltenders. So it's like it's a crowded race. I mean, right, <laughs> so I mean, I don't expect Roman Yossi to even finish top three in the Hart Trophy, and I mean, he might win the Norris. We'll have to, that's going to be an interesting voting mm-hmm. scenario. There, uh, we're going to have to watch it here, but. If, if Cal McCarr gets it over Roman Yossi, I'm not going to be flipping out over it at all, even though there will be a lot of Predators fans who will be upset for it. Oh, yeah. So get ready for it, guys. Oh, but, we're um, fully prepared. We're fully prepared. I'm, I'm, prepared, I'm yeah. prepared for Yossi to win it, honestly. Bring your notes. The, but, the hype but, I've seen from the media surrounding, like, oh, I just have Yossi ahead of him. I believe Yossi's going to win it. We'll see what happens. I don't, I don't know. get a vote, so. Yeah. yeah, we don't get votes, but maybe one Unfortunately, day. none of us do. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I, I don't like the fact that I don't want it to be just which defenseman scored the most points. I don't want that at all. But should, uh, it's, it makes for an interesting debate. It's a good storyline for this series. For sure. It's a great storyline. I think there needs to be like an Art Ross trophy, except for defensemen. Yeah, yeah like, just, a, like a Bobby Orr award. trophy. Yeah. Call it the yeah. call it the Bobby Orr Award or like the Paul Coffey. Oh. Give it something like that. Like yeah. it, it's it's such a simple fix. Um, but it's good to, I agree with you. There are so many fans on both sides who are just so passionate about it that it's good to sit down like the four of us and just have a rational conversation yeah. about it. Cause we right. both all know that Twitter is just a single yeah. toxicity most of the time, it is. <laughs> but, um, for sure. It's good to actually sit down and talk to people. Cause I completely agree with everything you guys just said. Completely agree. Well, and especially considering this game has changed so much. I mean, like defensemen, mm-hmm. you're going to see more hybrid defensemen evolving into this game as it goes i mean it's it's just not the same game it was 10 20 years ago when it comes to to what the defenseman has in their role and roman yossi is just at the top of that category i think that's fair to say i think he is he is absolutely completely a hybrid defenseman he's defenseman by name only but he is for sure i mean he does not play like any other position that anyone else plays he like he has his own position basically i mean he has to force so much of the preds offensive attack almost every time he's out there and that's what makes him more of a heart trophy finalist than a norris trophy finalist is that he literally has to be the engine of this team oh, manufacturing yeah. goals. And that's why he has so many points this season is because he is at the center of everything this team does when they score goals. And I mean, you see it in his time on ice, you know, he's usually over mm-hmm. 25 minutes time on ice. And it's just, I mean, he, and like you said, if you take him off this team, this team is not a playoff team. No, They're, they're right down there with Arizona and they're definitely in the lottery and they're have a good chance at the first pick. I mean, that's how bad they would be without Roman Yossi on this team. Yeah, I really like that idea for the Bobby Orr award. That's a, you should uh, contact the NHL and let them yeah, know. Yeah, I patent that. Uh, yeah, NHL, for sure. Me, Copyright right now. The NHL would never do it. It's too smart for them. They, oh, like, yeah, they love right. these debates that just get everybody upset. Hey everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. Hockey fans, feel the action on the ice like never before with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Right now, new customers can bet just $1 on any team to win and get $150 in free 
bets if they do. That's right. All you got to do is bet on the Avalanche to win their next game, and you are essentially getting $150 for free. And yes, it really is that simple. And if DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still hit the ice for some cold, hard cash because new customers can make their first deposit and play for free with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. Draft your lineup of eight skaters and a goalie and rack up the points for goals, assists, saves, and more. And best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want with no strings attached. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and bet just $1 on any NHL team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, back to the episode. Yep. Sense oh, wait, wait, wait. If we're going to make fun of the league right now, are you talking about the same league that made their uh, Stanley Cup playoffs logo look like the LA Kings logo? Yes, <laughs> I noticed that too. Like, For go sure. back to what it was. Like, I, I remember in the early, <laughs> the late 90s, early 2000s, I remember the logos being cool. This one's just, I think all logos in professional sports have just gotten lame. I think it's like, like they went to the cubicles somewhere and they were like, hey, I need this quick. Like, I need this by the end of the day. I need a Stanley Cup 2022 playoff logo. Yeah. And someone went into their uh, documents folder and they were like, uh, what does what is delete or, LA Kings out of their logo and we'll put Stanley Cup playoffs? That looks good. They, I agree. Or they picked the they picked the intern to do it who's a Kings fan. He just yeah, looked up in his too, cubicle. Actually, that's he looks probably, up in his cubicle yeah. and sees a Kings <laughs> Big fat Kings flag or something, and he's like, hmm. I don't know. It was pretty lame, but it's okay. Yeah. It's just a logo. Yeah, right. See, just- I had I had no problem with it, but now, now that I'm looking at it again, now that you've pointed out it looks mm-hmm. like the Kings logo, I can't unsee it. Yep. Sure. Now that's, that's, now it. All, that's all I see is just – Hey, it's the, a done deal. It's a done deal. Kings are winning the cup. We yeah. know it now. It's, conspiracy, it's theorists, conspiracy theorists are going to come out in droves over that. I would love sure. it. Um, I – I'm kind of getting the feeling from you guys. You, you don't give the Preds much of a chance in this series. Mm-hmm. If the Preds win this series, who has to be the best player for the Preds? That's a good question. Good wow, question. what a question, Rich! You filled that one. First. Um, man, you're you're gonna you're gonna obviously need your Forsbergs, Duchesne. Wait, you only get to pick two. one, Rich. I only get to pick one. <laughs> yeah, that's he not, has, that's pick the one. point of the question. Okay, then uh, David Riddick's gonna have to stand on his head. Oh, okay, fair. Well, we'll, right. well, if I can only pick one, that's what it's going to be right there. Okay. For yeah. for me, Griffin, you can go for the abs too. But for me, my most important player for the abs, if they're going to have success in this series and the series going on, it's Nazem Kadri. If Kadri can mm. play every single game in the playoffs, he's sick right now. Um, he missed practice today, which is kind of a big deal. Um, if Nazem Kadri can stay healthy and continue to play the way he's played during the regular season, I don't see very many teams stopping this avalanche team. Mm-hmm. That's a good Good pick for sure. And Griffin, I, I would, who you got? I would say I'm going to take the cop out answer and say Darcy Kemper. Your goaltender yeah. is always going to yeah. be the most important player in yeah. every series. If you, if if Darcy Kemper plays the way he did in the first half of April, where he's a 950 on 50 oh, shots gosh. against the yeah. Edmonton Oilers, I mean, come on now. Yeah, yeah. if he does that, it's over. Yeah, there'd be no question this team wins. If he is the last half version of Darcy Kemper, I still think they win this series but it does open the door. I don't think that's what Darcy Kemper is going to be in this series, but it has caused at least some concern in certain avalanche circles. 
that maybe Darcy is stepping back a little bit. I don't believe that mm-hmm. to be the case, mm-hmm. but Kemper is going to be the most important guy. For an actual answer, I'm going to say Gabe Landeskog. He's missed mm-hmm. the last month and a half. He can come back and give this team a massive emotional sure, boost and help out a dying power play. They desperately right. need some goals there. That's yeah. good. Chad, who you got for the prize? All right, so I got a 1A and a 1B, but I will pick one of these. All right, so my 1A is Phil Forsberg. My 1B is Matt Duchesne. They're tied at the hip all season. They've both been battling each other to see who can break the franchise single-season goal record, and Matt Duchesne actually got it before Phil Forsberg. No one saw that coming. But um, yeah. I'm actually going to go with Phil Forsberg over Matt Duchesne only because – Forsberg's going into a contract situation that a lot of people know about. And uh, it's made quite the stir up in Nashville. And um, I want to see if Forsberg's ready to um, really put himself in elite status. Can he really take over this series as an elite forward like your Nathan McKinnons can do? Like your, uh, you know, like all these other elite forwards that are in the league. Can Philip Forsberg finally show? We know he has the talent. We know he has the skill set. Can he do it where the chips matter in the playoff stage against the Colorado Avalanche? So I'm going to throw Philip Forsberg out there. Fair. I, I think all of them, like the storyline with Matt Duchesne coming back is hilarious to me. I never understood Av's hatred towards <laughs> Matt Duchesne. Like he literally gave us where we are now. Because he Hey, man, Christian, we've talked about this on our show yes. before, like how polarizing – Matt Duchesne has been for every fan base he's played for. I mean, Leave it I mean he's, he's been accused of being a no-show, being streaky, being a quitter, being uh, he'll, he won't show up in the moments that matter. He's disengaged. You hear all these things about mm-hmm. Matt Duchesne, and he has completely shut all those people up this year. He's yeah. been great. I mean, I loved him when he was in Colorado. I named my dog after him. My dog's name is Duchesne. Oh, so I love that. Yeah, awesome. I've always I've always had a soft spot in my heart for Matt Duchesne. And it's it's one of those things where it, it wasn't working here in Colorado. We got a ransom for him. I mean, we got Samuel Gerard and Bo Byron because of trading Matt Duchesne. Like it's it's one of those things where it's like we should be kind of thankful that he demanded this trade and Joe Sackick made this great trade. Um, I've never understood the hatred for him, but uh, I can't imagine what it's going to be like games one and two in Colorado. When it's going to be weird for him. He's going to get booed like crazy. I know. And, but I, and I don't blame the fans for it either. I really don't blame him. I don't blame him either, but I've just never understood it. Um, well, but I will, say, I will say Matt Duchesne has a superpower when he gets booed in Colorado. He scores every single time he comes to Colorado. Yeah. Every single time, without fail. Well, I will say that even Preds fans, like we've only now seen the fruits of of the contract of him coming to Nashville to begin with this year. Like he he just did a complete turnaround. Like everybody want, like he went from, we talked about it on our last podcast. He went from all the fans wanting Seattle to take him to now he's their darling. Everybody loves him. Now he's the, he went from being unprotected in the expansion draft to the next season breaking the season. He, he yeah. was unprotected by his own team and then turned that around and became Absolutely. the single season franchise goal record. Can you talk about a more OG move than that? Yeah. I totally forgot that yeah. Nashville left him unprotected. He was unprotected. Did they leave Hansen unprotected too? But yeah. Yeah. They yeah. were begging, so they were begging somebody to take those two contracts off the books for them. And yep. nobody took them. But also they protected 
Philippe Myers, who they got through the Ryan Ellis trade. Yeah. They protected him, and Philippe Myers has no impact on this team. He's not even playing for this team right now. Isn't he on the Marlies? Yeah. I mean, he's like I literally been he's, been, yeah. he's been loaned out. Like, that's who they protected over Matt Duchesne. They did. <laughs> yeah. Is that not crazy? And then they yeah. also, they did protect Tanner Janot, which was a really smart decision. Yeah, very smart. When you look back on it. But yeah, they, I mean, it worked out in their favor because no one, no one took those players. But Ryan Johansson just, yeah. Had, let's talk about him. He has scored the third most goals in his career and the most goals he's ever scored since coming to the Predators. So he has also been a player who has been on my – I mean, I have criticized Ryan Johansson so much, and I am always going to call it like it is and give credit where credit's due. He's proven me wrong. He really has stepped up. So he's another low-key X factor in this series for me. He's got 26 goals on the season. He's never been a goal scorer for this team. And now all of a sudden he's scoring goals. He's he's scoring goals. So you're talking about the Avs and the Preds, who both have top ten power plays. They're in the top half of the league in goals per game. So you're expecting a high scoring series, maybe. I definitely think the Avs are going to score plenty of goals. The key is can the Preds turn this into a, a track meet? And they can they hang with the Avs on the scoreboard? Can they win a game five to four? Can they win a game six to five? Can they take one of these games to overtime or double overtime and win a game six to five? Because I the Avs are going to get their goals. The Avs yes. are going to get their goals. They're going to score four to five goals a game. Can the Preds hang with that? That's the question. Yeah. Yeah. I Absolutely. I completely agree with that. I for me, when it comes to this series, tell me where you're at with the Preds. I feel like the Preds are a very undisciplined team and take a ton of penalties. Oh yeah. Where oh, man, that's 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 the the topic of conversation every game. <laughs> yeah, no, I I'm concerned about that. Um I they took what was in that game on Thursday? They took what eight eight penalties? Yeah. Eight yeah, penalties? Something like that. Something like that. Do you that's think the they can do you think they can flip that going into the playoffs or are we going to have another series where it's a ton of power plays, it's a ton of um it, it, you're going to need your PK to be strong. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I'll start first, then we'll go to Rich. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Um, I, I mean, we've actually said this since we were going into the season back in September. Um, we felt like this was going to be a team that was going to commit a lot of penalties, that wasn't going to be able to change the way they played. And it's kind of came true. It's kind of made us look a little smart at least. We're not – a lot of our <laughs> predictions have been wrong this year, but we right. did get that one right. Um, unfortunately – this is who they are. I don't know how they're going to change it, and it doesn't make it any easier going up against a speed team like the Avs. Yep. That they just don't match up. This is why we wanted to play the Flames over the Avalanche. It's not because there's any disrespect to the Flames. The Flames are a great team, but they're a different type of great team than yep. what the Avs are, in my opinion. So I thought that the Preds matched up much better against a physical Flames team mm -hmm. than they're going to match up against a speed, offensively heavy Avs team that's going to skate circles through them. And then also, when the, when the Preds do want to make their – uh, their moves defensively, they're going to have to commit penalties. They're going to make those sloppy penalties, whether it's hooks or tripping penalties. They're going to get lazy penalties. And it's going to be a, a parade to the penalty box. And I just don't like David Riddick's chances 
having to go up against a abs power play four or five times a game. That's just, right. I'm sorry. That just doesn't give me a lot of confidence. Yeah. Same two points about that real fast. So when the predators, um, take on a fast skating team like Colorado, they try to mold their game to play more like, uh, like the, that team. When they play a team like Calgary, they, they try to play uh, a harder hitting uh, uh, style of play. Instead of playing their game, they, they kind of play to whoever they're, they're, they try to match whoever they're playing. And that usually doesn't work well for them at all. They just don't play. If they just stick to their game, they, they definitely have a better chance. The thing about the penalties is when they don't commit penalties and don't play their game, they lose games. When they play their game and they commit a whole bunch of penalties, it costs them as well. They can't, they've never this season, only a handful of times that I can remember have been able to um, find a good middle ground and, and they just have a hard time. It's one or the other with those guys. And, there's certain teams, there's certain teams they match up well against where yes. their style of play, they can get away with the penalties. They can get away with all that yep. stuff and they'll be fine. It's not going to work against the avalanche. No. And that's why this matchup scares the death out of me. And it's not, and yeah, I, there's some Preds fans who have a lot of hope right now they're like well they're looking at the season series and they're like okay yeah um the, the preds has the preds has some success yeah you're talking about the covid game where both teams were missing a lot of players you've got one game to hang your hat on in this season series where i'm like okay maybe this series can be interesting and that was the game where it went to overtime and the preds won i think 5 to 4 5 to oh, 4 and this was in january it was a very hard fought game it felt like yeah. a playoff game in january that was the game where i believe mark borvietsky got knocked to the ice and the and and mm-hmm. everyone got upset because the play continued and yeah. he was laying on the ice brought out am i right rich on that that is it yep that's yeah terrible. i mean other than that every other game like this last game this past week, the second to last game of the season. Yeah, it was a good win. It was thrilling that they came yes, back and, and won. So. But I, I'm sorry, like, you're not going to get me too excited about that win. I mean, the Avalanche were on cruise control. Am I fair to say that, guys? I want to ask Christian and Griffin that. Yes, they, we, they were absolutely on cruise control at yeah, that point. Yeah, so, I mean. It's, and Bednar came out and said after the game that they the Avs probably would have won that game if Kemper played a little better. And that's fair. With all of that. That's fair to say. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's one game that Preds fans can hang their hat on in the season series where it's like, okay, we showed, yes, in a real game that where everything matters, we did hang with them. But that's just one game. You have to win four out of seven, you yeah. know? So, um, yeah. I, don't I, know. I think the point you're saying in that game, too, in January, UC Saros was in goal. Like, it, that's, that's, that's the big point. thing to me. Yep. And in both games where David Riddick's played, there was that one back in November where I think we beat the Preds 6-2, Six, if I remember six, right. Yeah. And yep. then in this past game on Thursday, yeah, the Avs kind of went on cru- – they've been in cruise control for the past month, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm not worried that the Avs will be able to turn – flip the switch because they've shown that they can flip the switch. Um, but I, I don't think you guys are giving the Preds enough credit for where they're at. <laughs> you guys watch them a lot more. I think this is going to be a very hard-thought hard series. I see this going six. I think the oh, Avs wow. win this at six. Just because I the Preds play that type of game. It's very physical. They're going to grind. Um, it's really going to come down to how good is Darcy Kemper and how many saves can David Riddick make? I, I just think Nashville has been a kind of a, a tough place for the abs to play for the past, however many years. Uh, I, I think if we can get a split in three and four, I'd be feeling pretty good, but I, I do see this going six. I don't think this is going to be 
a sweep or even a gentleman sweep. Well, I, I think this uh, is six. Let's see whose power play performs better because, like yeah. you said, two two mm-hmm. top ten power plays here. And I do think – I mean, I know it's the playoffs and they always say, like, not as many penalties are, are called in the playoffs. They let them play a lot more. But um, I still think just with the Preds and their reputation, the way they play, there's going to be some penalties called. Maybe they draw the Avs into their uh, trap and the Avs commit a couple penalties because they get caught up in all that mess, which is probably what the Preds want, honestly. And uh, you can see which power play is more clutch. Maybe I could see that is maybe as a way that the Preds could maybe tip it into their favor. If Soros was playing in this series, I would be right on board, and I would say this could go six or seven. I would even maybe stretch it out to it could go seven. But even mm-hmm. if Soros was playing, I would still say the Avs would win this series. Without Soros and Ned, I'm sorry. I, I, my my official prediction on the episode, our last episode, was Avs in five. And yep. I'm normally a very optimistic co- person of this team. But I got to be objective here. I can't be the fan that just yep. wants them to do all these great things. I got to be honest with myself. And so I think it's going to be five. I think it's going to be too much. Whereas I actually gave the Preds a decent chance to upset the Flames just I'd based on that. matchup appearance. Yeah, I, I just Absolutely think it's a, it is a horrible matchup problem for the Preds in the series. I will say this, and I, one of our listeners, uh, Daniel, and I, I don't have his full Twitter handle, but um, – he uh, he get, sent us something on on our, our on Twitter uh, saying basically the path to the cup if the Preds could somehow pull off a crazy upset is favor favorable to them yeah. if they can make it to the next round so we'll see. Coolio, well we're coming up on on time here. Um, Griffin, do you have anything last parting words of wisdom? Yeah, I mean <laughs> if there was if there's one player on Nashville that Avs fans maybe don't know about that they might know at the end of the series, who do you think that would be? That's a great question. Let's 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 make it quick. I'll say mine, and then Rich will say his. Uh, as fans, that a player they don't know that they need to know. I mean, I, hopefully they know Tanner Janot by now. But I'm going to go Philip Tomasino. Fair. I like that. Just, just because he's a very young up, unless you're following the Preds prospects, and not every fan has time to follow every other team's prospects, then you probably don't know about Philip Tomasino. So yeah. I am going to go with Philip Tomasino. Yep. And I would say, obviously, Tanner Janot, I think they know him, though. Um, we're getting – I think we should be getting uh, Jeremy Lazan back on defense, which he, that's a good addition for them. He's a tough player. That's so a good one, too. Rich. Hopefully he'll, uh, hopefully he'll uh, have a good showing. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for, for coming on and joining us. Oh, we appreciate uh, it. I'm really looking forward to this series, and uh, I think it's going to be a little closer hey, than you guys are giving credit for. Hey, but- let's get you guys to join us. Uh, Midway through the series. How about that? Deal. Like a plan. We're in. Let's, let's make it happen later this week. We'll get you guys to join us. Sounds Absolutely. good. So thank you so Thanks, much, Chad, Chad and Rich, for coming on. And we'll see you guys pretty soon. Thanks. All right. Take care. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that talk with the Catfish on Ice podcast. So like I said earlier in the episode, I really was getting a lot of deja vu to the Blues series last year where it's just I'm coming into this interview expecting for them to be like, oh, well, here's why the Predators have a chance. And here's why actually the abs aren't good. And it, it just doesn't happen. They're like, yeah, we're fucked kind of thing. Yeah. I thought that was crazy, man. Like I, I really thought that they were going to be um, really harping that they won the season series three, one, but they said the same things we did. Like other than those game, like that one game, which we think was BS was the phantom too many men on the ice. That was the only game they really outplayed us or even played equally to us. Um, they 
are they're more confident that the abs are going to sweep them than we are <laughs> yeah that, that was the same thing last year is that the the blue notes guys were like yeah we we don't think the blues are going to win a game in this series and they were right i was the one that overestimated but i think that's just kind of how it works with fandom sometimes is that you always give more credit to the other side just oh, as like a preparation thing you don't like, want to be old takes exposed yeah you don't want to be old takes exposed but like I, I just genuinely think that this is going to be a, a closer series than people think, but I think the abs win in five because they've been through a lot of these kind of playoff ish games through the regular season. Obviously they don't compare to the real thing, but they've had a lot of experience in these close games with comebacks, with holding leads, with having to finish games off or almost blowing a lead that I think maybe one or two of these games ends up going overtime, but I do think we're going to get it done. The real challenge is going to be going into Nashville, into that building and just staying with it and not fall. Cause I think if you fall behind in Nashville, it's going to be a tough mountain to climb. It can be done. Carolina did it in game six last year, there, being down two to nothing, but it's going to be, t- it's going to be a challenge. And that's what, that's kind of what I want out of this series is also, like we talked about, Nashville's very physical, a lot of hits, lots of fights. You you do get out of this series, and then you go into Minnesota and St. Louis, you're kind of prepared for that already. 100%, especially against Minnesota. I don't think St. Louis would be as physical. Um, Minnesota would be a hard-hitting series. Um, I, I think the abs are going to come up better on the other side. Um, and I, I just think six seems right. Nashville is really good at home, or at least in the playoffs, they seem to be good at home. I could be completely wrong, and I'm okay to old takes expose myself on that one. Um, but I just think Nashville's solid at home, especially in the playoffs. They aren't a bad team. They are. No, they they're not. I mean, this, way. look at there's they're the 16th team in the NHL. I mean, this isn't they're the worst team in the playoffs, but this isn't the Coyotes. You're telling me in a regular season game between Colorado and Nashville you're dead confident of an abs victory every single time you got to give Nashville one. I think. Yeah. I think one to two is not crazy. And I think it's good for this team to go through a little bit of a uh, little bit of adversity in the first round. Cause the past two years, it's been the easiest first rounds of all time. So yeah, and it's like I said earlier in the episode, like let's say Nashville wins one in Colorado to start the series. And then you got to go on the road and play in Nashville and win one. Good. There. Yeah. Good. Go in there and prove it and stick with it and keep going. And just that's the key to the playoffs. Like I said, is just, you've got to stick with the process that we have been building throughout this entire regular season. Because if the second you break from that is the second, either Nashville or Minnesota or St. Louis wins. hundred percent. And it's going to be, it's going to be fun. I cannot wait for it. Shout out to the catfish guys. They nailed it with the Kale McCarr, Roman Yossi debate. Kale McCarr is the better defenseman. Roman Yossi is the most more valuable player to his team. Um, that was the most rational like take I've seen on that Norris debate, I think, ever. <laughs> yeah, like I don't get I don't even really get how this is such like a hot topic. It, Kale is the better all-around defenseman. Roman's better offensively. I'll absolutely give him that. I mean, the Predators run their entire offense through him, but Kale is more impactful on defense. And it's like I said with them, Roman's not that much better offensively to make up the gap. Kale is just had, if it wasn't for Roman, he would have had the most points since, what was it, Housley or yeah. was it Leach or Housley? 
I think you said Housley earlier. I have no way of checking. I think I, think I might have been wrong. I think it's Leach. But regardless, okay. like since since the nineties, most yep. points by a defenseman since the nineties. If it wasn't for Yossi, Kale would have had that too, and would have been a shoe in for the Norris. So it kind of it doesn't make a ton of sense. It also just kind of sucks for the both of them that that happens in the same season because without either one of them, they would have been oh okay Norris easily yep. best defenseman, and now there's two at once. But that's the thing. If there's two at once. You got to give the edge to the guy who's better defensively. Yeah. Like, and like I said on the episode, you need to do like a Bobby Orr award for the most points for a defenseman. That solves all the problems right there. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know why there isn't one. Like that just makes sense. Apparently because we put so much stock in offense for the yeah. defenseman award, why not just have an award for it? And, and if Kale does win the Norris, it's like I said, it, it does kind of feel wrong for Yossi to just be walking away empty-handed from a 96-point season for a yeah. defenseman, just short of 100. Like, You can't punish him for that. Yeah, it, you, it's, what, it, it's, a dumb, it's a dumb debate we're going to have to have, and I'm frankly kind of over it. I am okay. too. I've already kind of accepted that Yossi is going to win it because people don't watch the Avs. I mean, we've established that throughout the season that people do not watch this team. They look at the points. They see Makar puts up goals and points and that he's young. And they're like, oh, so he's bad defensively. And so, and then they're going to sit there and tell you that Yossi's better defensively, despite that being objectively false in every metric and watching the games. And you have guys who have votes saying, well, Yossi is more valuable to his team, therefore the better defenseman. Literal quote from Craig Button, who I'm pretty sure has a vote for the awards. So. I mean, it, it's like we talked about with Raj last time, like we're going to look back on Kale McCarr and be like, how the fuck did this guy only end up with two Norris trophies? Like, what are we talking about here? And it's, it's just the way hockey media works. It's, it's just the way it is. I'm kind they of, don't, they don't, they had no choice, but to give it to a young guy in Fox last year. Cause the other option was McCarr who's a young guy. And now they have missed, a choice and they don't want to give it to the young guy. Yeah. He, he missed, uh, he missed us. How many games did he miss? 15. I think it's like 12. I don't remember. Yeah. It was just enough to be considered significant in a shortened yeah. season. So, but I cannot wait for Tuesday. I cannot wait to be on here after the game. I'll be coming back from ball arena. So my emotions are going to be either highest of highs or lowest of lows. Um, I can't wait for it, dude. And I will try not to spoil too much for you when I'm at the games. <laughs> and I'll be like five seconds ahead of you. I'll try not to. You may have to mute me on Twitter. It'll, it'll be fine. I mean, you're always ahead on Twitter anyway. It's not even just you on Twitter. It's like Arif who always has the goals the second they happen. I, I just I just have a bad habit of like anxiety scrolling sometimes and I need same. to stop that. So in the playoffs, I, the I really, I really like, try to, because like I want to tweet during the games, but I don't want to have it spoiled since I'm on a yeah. delay. So Because that's the funny part too, because when we go on the road, I'm going to be behind everyone. So that's just, I, I always am. And I will always do that. Like if the abs are on a big PK, I will always like be refreshing it. Even right. And I don't, I don't even mean end. to be doing it. It's not like, Oh, I want to find out what happens. It's just like, Oh, what's, what are people saying about this? Make me feel better. Yeah. Like, yep. It makes me feel better. Cause then I like, if the, I know they score, it's like, all right, I know a goal is coming here. Like I, it's yeah. just crazy fans. In, in the regular season, it didn't bother me as much because like, Oh, a goal is coming. Let's see how this happens. So I can talk about it and sound yeah. smart on the show. In the playoffs, I don't want anything spoiled. Yeah. So nope, me either. So um I can't wait, dude. This is gonna be a hell of a run. And I just have a good feeling about it. Yeah, I I do too. I'm looking forward to all of this. 
I'm really hoping I can make it out there for the second round and eventually for the final as well. And this is it. Like we've waited months for this. We've gone through the entire season, just talking about nothing else. Game one of the playoffs. What's it going to be? What's it going to look like? Assuming Kadri is healthy for game one, we're going to be fully healthy. For the first time all year. First, literally first time all year. And we're going to just be ready to roll. And this could be the start of something very special and something that we remember for the rest of our lives. So you can be nervous. You can have anxiety about it. You can be afraid, but just remember to enjoy it and have fun. Maybe it ends in the first round. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe we go all the way and win the whole thing. And you're, you're going to remember every part of where you were, all the overtimes, all the close finishes. You're going to remember your experiences watching all of that. So my advice is just have fun, enjoy it, watch it with friends. If you can go to watch parties, go to a game, if possible, just do what's most fun for you. Because if this team does go all the way, you're going to have those memories for the rest of your life. So just enjoy it. I know this is like a big time of anxiety and everyone's wondering ways they can lose. This is supposed to be fun at the end of the day for all of us. So just have fun with it. That's all. And enjoy it. We're saying this now Sunday before the game start. I'm sure uh, Tuesday night will probably be full on panic mode. But oh, yeah. it, I'm, say, I'm saying this now because I won't say it later. Exactly. And then we can reference back. back. See, we, we said to be calm. We knew we weren't going to panic. So it's a smart move by us. But uh, yeah, I, I can't wait, man. I can't wait. So been a lot of podcasting this weekend. So yeah, it's, it's the first time we've done back to back days of podcasts yeah. in a while. So we're going to be right back on here on Tuesday and on Thursday now, Saturday should be nice because it's be like in the middle of the day for once. Yeah, Saturday will have to be later because of my sister's graduation. Well, it won't be at 11 at night. Yeah. For me. So oh, no, what am I talking? 11 at night? We're going to be recording these at 1, man. Yeah. These games don't yeah. start until 9.30. 11. Yeah. What am I talking about? Seven, And they say 7.30. It's not going to start till late. Oh, no. They're not starting until then. And that's assuming there's yeah. no overtimes. So and that we're talking about playoff hockey. So yeah. So I am going to be staying up late for these shows. If like if if I'm on an episode and I just sound like, you know, as well as been asleep, like if I'm sleeping, cause it's 3.00 AM, cut me some slack, please. Yeah. Cut him some slack. He's watched six hours of playoff hockey. Um, <laughs> you're going to be drained every day, dude. Imagine if the caps go to overtime and that's overlapping with the abs game and I'm watching the abs game while watching OT and that one ends, no matter how that goes. And then the abs go to OT and I'm up till like 2.00 AM. And I wouldn't wish that even, on my worst enemy, dude. We haven't even wish this on my worst enemy. at that point. So I wish you luck. We're going to enjoy tomorrow because neither of our teams play. It'll just be fun to watch some playoff hockey. Um, but if I could give one piece of gambling advice, you've been listening to the show, Blues money line tomorrow. I don't know what it is. I'm taking the Blues money line. That's going to be an interesting one. We're, we'll wrap. I'm not going to go on a whole tangent about that series, but the Blues have not played at Excel Center yet. And I'm interested to see how that one's going to go. So. We'll leave it at that. This is it, guys. We made it. Game one of the playoffs against the Nashville Predators, Tuesday, 7.30 Mountain Time. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoyed everything we did during the regular season. And, yeah, I just don't have anything else to say. I think we've said everything that needs to be said over the last 82 games. I'm excited just to have something different to talk about. Yeah, and now this team is going to have to speak for us at this point because this is what we've been waiting for all season. So we'll talk to you guys then. 
I uh, hope you enjoyed this edition of the Tell It As It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at NHL, where I'm making a concerted effort to actually start. Yeah, dude, you've been more active. I've seen your I'm name trying. pop up more. I'm trying now. You can follow Christian, who doesn't have this problem, at Christian underscore Belay, and follow the show at Tell It As It Is, which is mainly where I'm tweeting anyway. So Yes. Follow me on my account for like general stuff. Tell it as it is, is me just purely av stuff. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and can't wait to see you all in the playoffs and hope you all enjoy these next couple days of two days. Take a deep breath now because you won't later. So see you guys then. Enjoy day one of the playoffs.